Wow, wow, wow. What a great, great way to uh, start our services today. Just what a great song. Uh, welcome everybody here. We're one church in two locations, so uh, we're excited. Welcome everybody in Knoxville as we get going here today. This is obviously a, a busy uh, time, an exciting time in the life of our church as we get ready. We're on the countdown uh, for a Foothills Christmas, which is next weekend. And so uh, especially here in Maryville, make sure you go to our website and uh, RSVP to what service you're going to go to because it's a different schedule. Uh, we have, we've got one on Saturday night and three on Sunday morning. And uh, in Knoxville, we've got nine and 11. That's a regular uh, hours, but here in Maryville, it's different. So make sure you RSVP and let us know which one you're coming to. Uh, we're excited about baptizing next Sunday as well. So if you're someone who's kind of been waiting on uh, that opportunity, wait no longer. Uh, what a great Christmas present to walk in obedience uh, to the Lord and, and, and get baptized on Christmas. And uh, as we turn into the new year, uh, just to give you a heads up, we're going to start a series called Catch, you, Catch Your Breath in January. We're going to reset and refocus in January. It's going to be a great way, uh, kicking off with 21 days of prayer. Uh, and then that's going to be followed by a series uh, we're going to be going through the Gospel of Luke. And so we're excited about uh, this coming year. If you've got a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 1. Uh, if you've been paying attention, we've been in Luke chapter 1 now uh, for the last couple of weeks. And we're in this series called Christmas Without. And I've been saying that you can celebrate Christmas without the presents, without the, the, the food, without, you know, all the movies and music. But you can't celebrate Christmas without Jesus. Last week I said you can't celebrate Christmas without worship. And today I want to talk about how we can't really celebrate Christmas without faith, without faith. And so let me ask you, uh, do you have enough faith? I mean, when you think about your faith today, would you say that you have enough or you need more? Or where do you kind of fall on that scale? I, I think for so many of us, our doubts arise from time to time and we start to feel like our faith is diminished. When we go through a difficult situation or we go through whatever thing that, you know, we're going through in life, sometimes our faith is diminished and it's easy to feel like we are inadequate or even guilty because our faith just isn't strong enough. Maybe you've questioned whether or not you are worthy of God's love or worthy of God's acceptance because your faith seems so small. So do you have enough faith today? I think all of us have kind of wrestled with this question. What do you do when your doubts are big and your faith is small? From time to time, our, our doubts just rise to the surface and our faith seems really small. And so in that, in that struggle, in that tension, you know, are we being obedient to the Lord? Are we worshiping the Lord? Are we, are we really even thinking about Him? Are we focused on Him in our, our, our struggle just continues. I, I know uh, several years ago, my wife discovered HGTV. It's been a long time, but every Saturday morning we used to watch that and we would see all these people doing DIY projects and flipping houses and stuff. And so we, you know, I was like, we can do that. You know, I can do that. And so we tried and we did some things and, you know, it didn't matter what project it was, lay new hardwood floors. I can do that. I can figure that out, you know. Spray paint a two-story brick house, you know, on a 20-foot ladder. Never done that before. I can do that. But somewhere deep within me, every time I thought about one of these projects, I thought, I don't know that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and my wife was always quick to feed my doubt. <laughs> she would say, just call the man, Trent. Just call somebody. You don't have to do this. 
do you know what you're doing, right? And that, my, my doubts would grow because um, she would feed those doubts, rightfully so, because uh, I didn't know what I was doing, honestly. Um, but when it comes to our faith in God, I, I think what we feed our, our doubts really matters. Because when I feed my doubts, I'm less likely to attempt what God is calling me to do. If I feed my doubts stories of fear and failure, then I'm less likely to do what God has called me to do. Uh, you and I need to feed our doubts uh, faith and, and stories from God's word that build our faith. We need to feed our faith the stories from our Christian brothers and sisters who have gone through similar situations and they can share their victories and they can share how God used them and, 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 and how God brought them through that situation or that fire. And when we hear their stories of faith, it feeds our faith. But if you feed your faith God's word, it's gonna increase your faith. And so we wanna strengthen our faith today because we all know we need more faith. We want more faith in Jesus and the information that you feed those doubts in your life is gonna land you in the place of unbelief or the place of belief today. And so some of you would say that you are in the place of belief and you have faith in God, even though maybe this is a challenging time for you. And others of you are kind of doubting and, and, and you're living in this, I don't know, maybe I don't have faith and, and you're living in unbelief. And I do wanna encourage you that, that doubt is normal. God's not intimidated by your doubt. He's not intimidated by your questions. Ask questions, dig into the word of God. God is not afraid of what you're gonna find in his word, but he doesn't want you to stay where you are at today. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to uh, understand that he wants to work on your behalf. He wants to show his glory and power in your life because he knows when he shows out his glory and power in your life, he wants all praise and glory to go to him. But we know that God is always working on his time. And that's the struggle for us sometimes. We want to work, we want him to work quicker. God always works in his timing. And so when we come to the Gospel of Luke in chapter one, we gotta realize that the last book of the Old Testament is, is Malachi. And so that's the last uh, prophetic word that God gave to his people. And so at the end of the, in the close of that book, it's roughly been about 400 years where it seems that God is silent. We talk about patience for God's people. That's, that's where the people of God are when we turn to Luke chapter one and we see this priest named Zechariah who is a, a godly man. Um, he is the one that encounters the, the angel Gabriel. And for the first time after 400 years, God speaks and God shows his next step for his people to receive salvation. And so let's pick up in the story in verse 11 of chapter one. And it says, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. He's in the temple performing his priestly duties. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Remember last week when 
he heard Mary uh, uh, give her greeting. He leapt for joy inside Elizabeth's womb. This is because he's filled with the Spirit even in the womb, which, by the way, is a pretty strong argument for life in the womb of a mother at conception, right? Amen. So we keep going. Verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. When we get to the story of John the Baptist and Luke, we'll come back to this, but this is an incredible prophecy from Malachi. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. That's a wise man to say that she is advanced in years. Uh, Verse 19, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. He didn't have faith, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. So we see here a father whose faith is weak, right? We're gonna resonate with him today. His faith is weak, but let's go back to a couple of truths that we are learning. The first thing that we learned that I wanna point out is that the angel said that your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. And so this is Zachariah and Elizabeth who had been praying for a, a child. They weren't able to conceive a child. And so they're praying and they're begging and they're asking God to bring them a child. And so the angel shows up and surprises Zachariah and tells Zachariah that in fact, God has been listening to your prayer and God is going to answer your prayer. And so it's interesting that I I think he's surprised here. And so he's surprised that, that God is actually going to answer his prayer. I think that some of us have felt like this. We have been praying and praying and praying and nothing seems to be happening. We ask God, we, we are begging God to give us, you know, a, some kind of um, a hope that he is listening and hearing and perhaps it's just not coming yet. And so like Zachariah, you're probably starting to doubt. You maybe even forgot about your prayer They'd probably even given up hope because now they're in their 50s, maybe 60s. They're advanced in years. And so physically, it just kind of seems impossible at this point for them to have a child. You know, one of the reasons why I love to keep a prayer journal is because I forget the prayers that that I ask over time. And and so sometimes God answers things that I prayed many years ago, but I've forgotten. And so a prayer journal kind of helps me connect my prayers to God's faithfulness and It's a huge growth step and and encouragement for me when I go back and and look at that journal and encourage you to do that. I mean, I remember, you know, praying and asking God as a church that he would give us, you know, a a real building or a real physical place. And and he did. He he responded. I remember praying that God would save people through our ministries and change lives. And man, he is. He's answering that prayer. We prayed that God would allow us to build a facility like this and to have this land and Man, God provided financially. He provided the opportunity and came through for us. And now as we're praying that God expands our 
our, our, our church and we grow, he's beginning to answer that as well. You see, prayer is essential to our faith and God answers prayer and God answers the prayer of Elizabeth and Zachariah here and they've been praying it for years and he'll do the same for you. Here's the second thing that I think is important. Your age isn't a concern. Your age isn't a concern. In verse 13, uh, he tells the angel, uh, I'm, I'm old. I'm an old man. How's God going to use me? My wife is, is advanced as well. How are you going to use us, God? He's surprised again that God wants to actually use him. And so I want to say, older people, you are never too old to serve God in his church. You never get to that point. I remember uh, my first church right out of seminary. It's a small town, small church. We were uh, experiencing some growth and God was uh, bringing young families to our church. And uh, they didn't have a, a kids ministry be because they didn't have any young families. And so I was preaching one Sunday and I was like, hey, we've got to serve God's church. We need people to serve um, in our kids ministry and this and that. And at the end of the service, uh, an older lady came up. She wasn't like, you know, physically too old. She was just older. And she said, uh, Pastor, I've, I've served this church for 20 years. I've done my time. And it's time for the younger women to step up and take their turn. And uh, I'll never forget that. I'm 24 years old at this time and, and uh, didn't really know how to respond to this sweet woman. So, uh, you know, I don't even remember what I said. But if I was able to talk to you today, if that was you, I would say, listen, as long as your mind and your physical capacity is able, you never retire from serving the Lord. You never retire from ministry. We never retire from serving God's church and God's people. You might get to retire from your job. That's great, retire from your job. But as you think about the trips you're gonna take and the golf courses you're gonna play, do not eliminate the need and the calling to continue to serve God. In fact, when you retire, you're gonna have more time to serve God. You'll have more time to disciple and to mentor younger men and younger women. You'll have more time to go overseas on short-term mission trips. You'll have more time to invest in the kingdom. Right? You won't be uh, concerned with the nine to five. And so it never, uh, uh, you, we never retire from ministry. And on the opposite end, watch this, young people, you're never too young to start serving. Right? Timothy uh, was told by the apostle Paul, don't let anyone look down on you because of your age, but set an example. And so if you're in high school, if you're in college, don't wait until you graduate to get right with God. Start discovering your purpose today and serving today. Find some place to serve. I love our church because we've got a lot of young people, teenagers, college students serving in our production team, our kids ministry and all other areas, going on trips and all these kinds of things. This is exactly what we need. And parents, you want your kids to connect to ministry because when they connect to ministry, they stay connected to God's church when they leave. And so it's important, it's huge that we give them this opportunity. When it comes to serving and faith in the Lord, age isn't a concern. And then the third thing I want us to see from Zechariah's story is that your response matters. Your response matters. When God calls you to do something, you either read it from his word, you feel his presence speaking to you, you hear me or a pastor preaching, and you are convicted by the preaching of God's word, your obedience matters. Your response matters to God. In verse 20, the angel says, because you did not believe my words, his faith was weak. He didn't believe. He didn't believe. He was surprised. 
that God still wanted to use him. And God is saying, despite your age, despite your past, despite your hangups, despite the fact that your faith is weak, I want to use you. I'm calling you to something greater than what you're experiencing today. Zach had doubts. Verse 18, how, how, how shall I know? He says, how shall I know? What he's doing here is he's asking the angel for a sign. He's asking for a sign. Now, we've all probably been guilty of that. God, give me a sign. <laughs> give me a sign, Lord. And we're looking up into the sky and we're just kind of waiting for that, you know. But in the Bible, when people ask for a sign, it's really a sign of their lack of faith. It's a sign of their unbelief. And that's exactly what the angel perceives and knows about Zachariah's heart in this moment is that his faith is weak. It's a sign of unbelief because if there was some type of sign that God could give you that would remove all of your doubt, then you wouldn't need faith. See how that works? And God obviously wants you to have faith in him. Zachariah was surprised that God was gonna use him. He thought he was too old. He thought he needed a sign. But maybe some of you actually are resonating with him because you think, you know, for whatever reasons, fill in the blank, God's not gonna use you. You're not smart enough, talented enough, holy enough. Your faith isn't big enough. Your experience is, is, is a little shaky. You've got a lot of problems in your current life. And so your mentality may be like Zacharias. How is God going to use me? But you're going to be surprised by the Lord when he gives you an opportunity to serve him in this church in some way. And you might go, I'm not ready for that. Or I'm too old, God. Or I'm too young. Or I'm not smart enough. I'm not ready for that. And listen, like Zachariah, God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. He wants to answer your prayers. And I want to encourage you, don't be surprised. Get ready because God is on the move. He's on the move in this church. He's on the move in your faith, in your life. So we've got to look for him. We've got to listen to him. And we've got to respond to him. He was surprised that God answered his prayer. Don't be surprised when God answers your prayer. He wants to. At the same time, there are consequences when we don't obey God, there are consequences to unbelief. Not everyone in the Bible that asks for a sign uh, actually gets punished like this. Like, you know, he gets punished. He's not, he can't speak for several months. He loses his voice, right? But the angel knew his heart. He knew that he, he had a lack of faith here. And so that was the consequence for his unbelief at this time. You might think, why didn't the angel cut him some slack? I mean, come on. Is that such a hard, hard thing to ask? And there were other men in the Bible that doubted. They didn't lose their voice. I mean, think about Moses, right? He came up with all kinds of excuses. God calls somebody else. I can't speak. And, and God didn't take his voice away. Zechariah is a righteous man. Sure, he doesn't believe here, but why does God punish him? And the reason is he doubts God's word. And when we doubt God's word, that is a serious offense. It is a sin, to be quite clear, the angel's response is, I am Gabriel. Look at it again. I am great Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And it was God who sent me to announce this to you. I'm not speaking on my own behalf. I'm telling you what God told me to tell you. So he's proclaiming God's word. What more evidence do you need, Zechariah? So to disbelieve God's word is sin. 
Because of his unbelief, Gabriel says, okay, you're not going to be able to speak. He takes away his voice. So Zachariah has to learn sign language for the next couple of months and think about what he has just experienced. And so for us, there are consequences to unbelief. And I think sometimes we think believing in Jesus and trusting in God is optional. But unbelief is a very serious sin against God. The reason why you and I can still talk today is not because we are more holy than Zechariah. It is simply because of God's mercy in our life. In fact, all the good gifts and the blessings that you and I have today are a result of God's mercy. If you and I can still talk today, we're experiencing the mercy of God. And listen, if God were to give us what we deserved, it would not be a very Merry Christmas. But he chooses to bless you with his love and his grace and his mercy. Sure, it's not perfect, but when we think about all the good gifts that he has given us, his love covers us. But when God does decide that we need discipline, he allows justice into our life to correct us and to grow us. You see, unbelief is an accusation against God himself. That's why the source of Gabriel's message is so very critical. The source of his message is I stand before God. I'm a messenger of God. He told me what to tell you. I am telling you God's word. That's the source. And so when we know the source of the message, our response has eternal consequences and rewards. The source of the promise is the answer to your faith today. And so when you read scripture, this is the voice of God. God inspired these men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write these words. And so you and I can trust what it says and we can live by it. Why? Because they are the words of God. Trust the source. Sometimes we think of faith as like this leap of faith, like jumping off a cliff, you know, into the lake over here. It's like, I just gotta hold my breath and hold my nose and hope for the best. I'm just gonna jump off. It's blind faith. And it's like, no, that's not exactly what biblical faith is. Biblical faith is grounded in the trustworthiness of God. God is trustworthy. And so nothing could be more unreasonable or irrational to disbelieve God. You and I don't doubt God's word because it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's hard to understand sometimes, but we don't doubt God's word because it's unbelievable. Ultimately, we, we, we just uh, lack faith because we don't trust God. We're not trusting in God's word. And so that's a great question. What is it in your life today that you're not trusting God with? Is it, is it money? Is it your job? Is it your marriage? Is it your kids? What, what are you not trusting God with today? That doubt grows in us if we're not careful. And so whatever the reason for your doubt, we know this. We doubt because we're human. It's, it's part of the journey. I want you to see this. God promised Abraham a son, but 10 years had passed and Abraham doubted. And, and, and he says in Genesis 15, how can I know for sure? Thomas doubted. His buddies told him, his best friends, Jesus is alive. And he doubted that he existed. We see all kinds of evidence all throughout the Bible that people stagger in their faith. They doubt, but God is patient with them. He's kind. He is merciful to them. And so if you're doubting today, you're not alone. If you think your faith is weak or small, you are not alone. Do we have enough faith? We 
see a surprised father here. He didn't have enough faith and God, God punishes him. But now I wanna turn to Mark chapter nine. If you have a Bible, go to Mark nine. We're gonna see as we close a father who is desperate and who also has weak faith, but how God uses weak faith to do great things. And so in Mark chapter nine, there's an argument. This father brings his demon-possessed son to uh, the disciples and the religious leaders and, 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 and he wants his son to be healed. His son is, is, is possessed. Uh, the, the, the possession takes him to convulsions and he can't speak and he shakes. And, and this has been going on since he was a, a, a child. And, and so you can imagine the desperation of this father. He wants his, his son healed. Side note, by the way, the enemy and demonic forces are after your kids at a very young age. So don't wait until a problem comes along to pray for your kids. Pray for protection now. Pray for their salvation now when they're young because the enemy is after them. And so this desperate father, he brings his son to uh, the disciples and they are unable to heal him. They're unable to uh, uh, rid the, the, the boy of, of the possession. And so they start arguing about each other, you know, and, and some of the people believe that they were arguing about, well, you got to know the name and of the demon to get it out. And you got to do this and you got to do that. And so they're having this argument. Can you just imagine this desperate father who hears this argument and he hears them going back and forth about why and he's continually discouraged. All he cares about is that his son is healed. And in this desperate moment, you would think that as they're arguing, you would just pack up your stuff and just go home. You would just pack up, throw up your hands and say, I, 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 this was the kind of the last resort. I tried this and God, you are still not responding to me. And you would think he would just go home. you think he would leave the scene. But I want to encourage you today, don't leave too soon. I think there have been times in my life where I've left too soon. My faith was weak and I left too soon. And I'm begging you, don't leave too soon. Maybe you know what this feels like. You're asking God to help you. You're asking other Christians to help you. But it doesn't seem like anything is, is, is changing or turning. And you're tempted to walk away. You're tempted to leave too soon. And, and I want you to know that despite your frustration and your pain, don't leave, don't walk away. It is not over. You got to stick it out because Jesus is coming. He hears you. He knows what you're going through and he's on the move and he's coming. Just like he does in this story. I want us to read this, this story starting in verse 17. Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. This is the dad, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus is like a little frustrated here. Oh, faithless generation, the disciples weren't able to, to, to do the work, right? He senses the man's lack of faith and unbelief, faithless generation. He's a little frustrated. How much longer do I have to you know, put up with you guys and, and deal with this? And he says, bring the boy to me. And, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long? Has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. 
and it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if I can, (laughs) if I can, circle that in your Bible and come back to that this week when you start doubting again. If he can help, if he can save, if he can change a situation, Jesus is like, if? And he says, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, but I don't believe enough, so help me. You see how that kind of lives side by side. You see how faith and and a lack of faith kind of live together. I believe, but help my unbelief. You gotta love his honesty. You gotta love the reality that he is confessing to Jesus that his faith is weak. I don't have enough. I need help, Jesus. I need your help. You are my only hope to deliver my son. This is where we need to be in our faith. This is where we need to live. I believe you, Jesus. I know you can, but help my unbelief. You see, your doubt doesn't cancel your faith. Your lack of faith does not cancel out your faith in Jesus because faith, doubt, live side by side. Fear, hope, love, anxiety, it all lives side by side in our heart. The father said he believed, but he admitted that he needed help to believe more. That means there was doubt right next to faith and hope. That should encourage you today. Do you have enough faith? Do you have enough? However weak it is today, you might feel weak, you might feel fearful, you might be doubting that God is, is gonna step in. But if there's the slightest hope, the slightest faith, God can use it. What did Jesus say about faith? If you have enough faith, the size of a mustard seed, which is a really, really, really small seed. If you have a little tiny faith, he says you can move mountains. I'll move mountains on your behalf if you have just the slightest faith. I believe, help my unbelief. In other words, grow my faith, Jesus Deepen my trust and and I need to resist in my own life and pray against disbelief. There have been times, I'll just be honest, where I've been praying and I'm saying the words that sound right and good and biblical and I'm strong and I'm loud and I'm confident in what I say, but as I am talking to God, it hits me like a ton of bricks that I don't have enough faith. And I just end up saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I know it's not enough. I encourage you to do the same. In verse 23, he says, if I can, right? If I can. And then he comes back with this statement, all things are possible for one who believes. Everybody say all things. Ready? Say it one more time, Knoxville. All things. He says he can do all things. For those who believe. Now let me tell you what that doesn't mean. What that doesn't mean is if I can believe I can fly. And I just say, God, I believe I can fly. That doesn't mean he's going to let me fly today. (laughs) It doesn't mean that just because I dunked a basketball many, many years ago, 
that day has come and gone. It's not gonna happen again. It doesn't mean all things in the sense that whatever I want, God is gonna do. What it actually means is that anything that God is willing to do, he can do. Anything God is willing to do, anything he promises to do, he can do and will do as a part of his will. So anyone who believes in the promises of God will experience what God wants them to experience. So true faith doesn't presume that God will do what we want him to do, but that God can do what we ask. And so that's what faith is. God can do that. Everybody say, God can. One more time, God can. God can do whatever it is you are asking him to do. And that's the faith that we press in. That's what Jesus wants the Father to understand. Jesus wants the Father to say that, to, to, to understand that God can do this. So, Jesus, all things are possible when you want to do it, when it's according to your will, you can do it. In verses 25 to 29, the father sees that his son is healed and God can. When Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy is like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. But prayer. The man experiences the healing of his son. And so the point here, did, did the father have enough faith? Well, obviously, Jesus answered his, his prayer, his honest prayer that he doubted. He had a little faith, but Jesus used that little faith to, to do the impossible. And so his doubt was overcome by honest prayer. You doubt today? Pray honestly. God, I believe. I know that you can. Help my unbelief. God, I believe that you can. My son is healed, right? But help my unbelief. You see, faith is, is, is trust without certainty. It's an expected confidence, right? There's no 100% guarantee. If it's 100% guarantee, then there's no need for faith. And so it's not gonna be 100% guarantee uh, when we are praying and asking God. Faith is trust without certainty. And faith doesn't mean there's gonna be an absence of doubt. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I love what my seminary professor used to say in, in seminary. He used to say, the key to faith is not the depth of your faith or how deep it is, how grand it is. The key to faith is not the depth of your faith. It's the direction of your faith. So what are you trusting in today? What, what are your eyes focused on? If the direction of your life is on sin and having a good time, then you'll miss the mark. Consequences will come. If your direction is just on work and making money and being successful, your day of consequence will come. But if your direction is on Jesus and your focus is on Jesus, then the depth of that, that faith will grow. Because a little faith in a great Savior allows us to experience great things. And that's what God wants us to experience. Verse 29, this kind 
cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. What this doesn't mean is that some demons come out without prayer. What it simply means is that whenever we're fighting a spiritual battle, it may be demonic, whatever the cause, he's saying when we're fighting this spiritual battle, we can't do it in our own strength. The only way that you overcome sin, that you overcome demonic activity in your life, the only way that you overcome the circumstances that you're facing that are difficult is when you decide that you're going to fight this spiritual battle with the right weapon, which is prayer. Don't show up to a gunfight with a knife. You want to show up with the right weapons. And that weapon is on your knees, on your face, crying out to God. The level of your faith will not exceed the level of your prayers. And so I believe that if you don't pray, your faith is probably weak. So if God wants you to grow your faith, if you want to grow your faith, and God wants you to experience that, how's he going to do it? He's going to send adversity into your life. Why? Because adversity takes us to our knees in prayer. And sometimes without the adversity, we don't go to God in prayer. And so if we want our faith to grow, God wants our faith to grow. He's got to take us through a season so that we get on our knees because that is what increases our faith. We started with a surprise father today, Zechariah, a man who lacked faith, experienced some consequences. We're ending with a desperate father who doubted as well. But the way that Jesus treated him is, is honored the little faith that he had because of his honest prayer. Now, let's close. Go back to Luke 1. Let's go back to Zechariah's um, response here. He hasn't been able to speak the entire pregnancy. His baby is born. On the eighth day, they named their child. They circumcised the boy. They named their child. And everybody expected Zechariah to name his son after him. That was tradition. You named your son, firstborn son, after you. That's what everybody did. So then, verse 63, but remember what the angel told him to do. He asked for a writing tablet because Elizabeth said, we're going to name him John. Like, oh, we don't believe her. Let's go to John. Let's verify this. So they give him a writing tablet. He can't speak. And he writes out on the tablet, his name is John. And they all wondered. They were confused. But immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing to God. So his obedience, right? His doubt was overcome by his obedience. Circumstances came. Right? The lack of faith led to circumstances. But his obedience in the midst of that pain led to the blessing, overcame his faith. He did what God told him to do, name this child John. I know it's different. It's not a popular name like it is today. So a very kind of weird name at that time. But you're going to go with John because that's what I want you to name him. He obeys. We have two examples today of people who struggled with their faith. A father who doubted, lost his voice. But when the time came, he was faithful and he proved his faith. Another father who is desperate and doubted as well, but he admitted his doubt. And through honest prayer, he asked Jesus to help him and God honors his faith. Here's the deal. God honors the faith of his people. It might be small, it might be large, doesn't matter. Are you operating and living your life in faith? Are you believing and trusting in the reality that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and that without his death, you are destined for hell? But because he died in your place, you can receive his forgiveness 
And because he rose from the grave, you don't have to doubt his authority and power. He has authority over sin. He has power over death. And he rose to give you that hope and allow you to walk in faithfulness with him. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today's the day that that you need to just submit to him and say, Jesus, I surrender all to you. For those of you that say, yeah, I think I have that faith, but I'm struggling with the amount, I need more. Like Zachariah, would you be obedient? Do what God is calling you to do today. What is he calling you to do? If you know what that is, do it. Do what you know to do today. You don't need all the answers for tomorrow and next week and the what ifs. Do what you know to do today. That's what obedience and faith looks like. Like the desperate desperate father in prayer, would you begin your prayers with honesty and just say, God, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, help our unbelief. We believe, so many people in the room believe today that you are more than able. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can, Lord. We know that you are able. Help our unbelief. Help our doubt. God, in this moment, would you spark a fire in us to be obedient and to be honest with you, to chase you, to worship you, to trust you, encourage our hearts this Christmas season as there are so many hearts that are heavy. We give you praise and we give you glory for it all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.